0: welcome back to the home bible study podcast um it's been a little while and i'm excited to um, be back uh, studying the word with you we left off uh we're studying hebrews the book of hebrews the letter to the people uh the hebrew people there's a we left off in uh chapter 10 verse 16 And we'll do a little review of where we left off because it's been a little while. And then we'll get into this lesson. So let's start with a little review. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be reviewing um, 1 through 16 from last time. And then we'll start in verse 17. So in the last lesson, we saw how there's been a transition. Uh, this whole letter is a uh, lesson to the Hebrew people. The information that they need to understand what has happened. Um, there's there. It's just not. It's not really clear in the prophets that there would be a uh, first coming and a second coming of Christ. It's there, particularly in Isaiah, but. I don't know that the prophets, even when they were uh, ministering to the people and revealing these things that God had told them, completely understood about the first coming and the second coming. And God had a purpose for that. And, um, you know, he has a purpose for that. And now these people who were very learned in the Old Testament needed an explanation. Just like we need an explanation. We need to understand what it is that God is, has done, what he is doing. And the more you study the word of God, the more you're going to see and understand the overall purpose and will of God in everything. But um, it's a lot. It takes uh, a lot to understand. It takes a lot of study. But we have God, the Holy Spirit, to make these things clear to us. We have the uh, study that other people have done, and how the God has revealed it to uh, a lot of things to us through the Word of God and through study, and and very uh, godly, um, godly men who have, you know, earnestly sought to understand and to proclaim the truth of God, and I pray that this. Uh, particular study that we're doing would have those same characteristics that people would uh, that God would bless us so that people would see that that's what this is it's an earnest study to understand the truth so here we have these Hebrew people who knew the Lord Jesus they many of them um, saw him personally they saw the miracles that he performed um, and needed to understand exactly what happened. And then they saw him crucified. Uh, and then after he was crucified on the third day, they saw that he was resurrected and he revealed himself to many people after that he was resurrected. And, uh, many people stood and watched him, um, be, uh, lifted up into the sky uh, they saw and the angels appeared and said, hey, what are y'all doing looking up into the sky? Just like y'all saw him leave, he'll return the same way. So <clears throat> this uh, these were wonderful things and wonderful times for people to see these great uh, blessings and uh, miracles performed. But also understand that Jesus appeared at a very dark time in human history. Very dark time. And um, there have been many years uh, between the Gospels and um, the Old Testament uh, books. The last book of the Old Testament and the Gospels. There's several hundred years of no revelations. No recorded prophets. No instruction. All they had was what had already been written. So there's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of uh, corruption in the religious community with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the things that they were saying and their interpretations of the Old Testament. It was it was just really bad. And that's why Jesus oftentimes said, you know, you have heard, you know, them say this, but I say unto you this because he had to correct a lot of error. And I find that we live in a time that's dark and we have a lot of error. And so there's a lot of similarities between the times that we're in now and the times that they were. But it's going to get worse, unfortunately. I wish I could say that it was going to get better and the world was going to improve, but I know that it's not. It's going to become darker. The darkness is going to grow and so that's why it's important for us to hold fast to these truths and to stay in the Word of God so that we would be wiser than those who uh, would seek to deceive us, our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So it's really important for us to stay close to the Word and, and to stay close to the light of the Lord Jesus Christ because that's what His Word is. That's where we see the light of the lord jesus and that's what the letter of the hebrews is is to explain and to give this light because there's been a great transition now now jesus has been exalted into heaven what do we do now you know how what does that mean to us as a people as a hebrew people as christians what does that mean what's the significance of him being exalted into heaven and how does that affect the way that we worship god because something has changed and so here we have the letter of the hebrew to the hebrews that explains to us some of those changes so that we can have a better more close and full relationship with the lord jesus christ that's the, the objective here the objective is to draw closer and to have a more enjoyable intimate relationship with the one with whom we have to do, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we saw in uh, Hebrews 7, we saw that uh, 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, we saw that we now have a better relationship. And this was something that was foretold. This is not new. This is not like, hey, we're pulling a rabbit out of a hat. All these things were foretold in the Old Testament. But now the letter to the Hebrews is making it, is clarifying these things and bringing it all together so we can have an understanding. Uh, A lot of references have been made to the tabernacle, the priesthood, the sacrifices, all of those things that are characteristic of the Old Testament worship. Uh, And it's been told that we're going to in the future, we would have a better relationship. That is the new covenant, that better relationship. And Hebrews, uh, like I said, in chapter 10, verse seven, uh, it says, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. That's a verse that speaks of the Lord Jesus. And it says that he's coming. You know, there's several verses in the Old Testament that talk about his coming. Uh, Not just his coming in the latter days to establish his kingdom, but that he would come even before then. And that is that first advent that uh, people often miss. They didn't completely understand, you know, when is this going to happen? Time wise, you know, there was no timetable given to where they could understand it. They just knew that he was coming and he was going to establish his kingdom. So now we see... Uh, that this is not new information. And the writer to the Hebrews is trying to make the people see that, yeah, this is not new. This is foretold. I'm not just making this up. Uh, It's in the scripture that he would come and he would do the will of God. So the new covenant is established in the body of Christ. Um, His body is the fulfillment of the tabernacle. Those are The things that we've seen in the chapters before have established this, that the offerings of the priesthood, all those things are um, types that point to this this uh, first coming, this first advent. And there was something that some work that was going to be done to establish a new relationship with God that would take the tabernacle and move it out of the way that something that's better than the tabernacle, all that the tabernacle represented as a place that men would go to interact and to have a relationship with God. There's something better that was coming. And we know that that something better is a person, even the Lord Jesus. Um, And uh, he was made a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. We saw that. Very important. So we left off in verse 16. uh, And I'm going to read verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. Well, when is after those days? Well, when is that? Well, we're living in the after those days. After he comes and establishes his ministry uh, as an high priest. After he comes and fulfills the, the type that was the tabernacle. After those days, those are the days he's speaking of. Uh, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will I write them. So this is where we are now. That's uh, the time that we live in now. And that's because we have the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's why it was said in the earlier chapters, you know, don't quench, the God, don't quench God, the Holy Spirit. It's so important that we have these laws, that we have the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit in us to teach us, to lead us, to make us to see things as God would have us to see them. Um, very important and that's the time that we live in now you know before the contrast here is being made to the laws that were written on tablets Uh, when moses went to mount sinai god wrote the laws on tablets and those laws were to reveal his righteousness to say this is what i say is right okay and he wrote those on tablets of stone well, now he's writing those laws on our hearts. If you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, in that verse, it's alluded to. It says, written, not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. So you see the consistency of the word of God, how that there is no uh, discord. This is what God has accomplished. This is the age that we live in, this age that of the indwelling ministry of God the Holy Spirit. Um, and in verse eighteen, it says, "Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering of sin, okay? Um, uh, well, before before I jump there, let's look at verse seventeen. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So that's, that's where uh, we're, we'll, we'll start off today. Their sins and iniqu- iniquities I'll remember no more. So along with this ministry of God the Holy Spirit that would indwell us, there also comes a benefit of having our sins be remembered no more. And we talked about that in earlier chapters, how that the blood of Christ continuously cleanses us from all sin that because his blood is eternal, his life is eternal, therefore he can give eternal life, his blood continues to speak against our sin. His blood, whenever our sin is manifest, his blood is always there, right? That's the eternal quality of the blood of Christ. And that eternal quality of his blood is what makes him the perfect high priest. And so our sins and iniquities, it says, I will remember no more. And this is how. This is the basis of that. This is not magic. Mm. It's not hocus pocus. This is all based in... The righteousness of god you know he has accomplished these things he knows what is needed to take away sin and he was the only one who could do that in his person and in his his shed blood and he did that on our behalf he left heaven and humbled himself to become the perfect high priest on our behalf and the benefit of that for us our sins are remembered no more our iniquities are remembered no more under the old covenant there was a constant sacrifice the animals paid the price for the transgression of the people they would bring the animal to the altar and the place their head, hand on the head of the animal and uh the priest would cut the animal's throat and the blood runs into a bowl and that was that person's sin being dealt with that was that blood that was shed and then was sprinkled on the altar um, to pay the penalty for that sin. And that happened over and over and over and over again. It was constant um, that that was going on. The death of that animal was for the benefit of the one making the offering. But it never stopped, you know, because the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin. It was only to point to a sacrifice that would happen that would fulfill that ministry. And that's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Before that, there was always another offering that was needed. But here we see in the Lord Jesus, uh, sin is taken away. He says, I don't remember it anymore. That should, if nothing else encourages you or blesses your heart, just the thought of our many sins and iniquities that it only takes one to send us to hell in the lake of fire, only one sin, and we have so many, and He has delivered us from the the judgment that's due to us for that for those sins. He and his person, not some angel, not another representative, not some animal. He did this himself and that is love that is the kind of love that we are not able even to manifest to other people we don't have the capability to even fully grasp that love outside of the Word of God and God the Holy Spirit making it us to know that and that's the fellowship that we should have with the Lord Jesus the kind of fellowship that's centered in that kind of love and we should meditate and we should sit at his feet and allow him to minister to us and make us to understand and to know his love in that way we have that uh, we have that access to him in christ we have a once and for all time sacrifice that's what That's what's being said here. In verse 18, now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. So no longer do we have to take animals to an altar. We don't have to go to a tabernacle. We don't have to trek to Jerusalem. We don't have to do all those things that they had to do back then to maintain a relationship with God. Jesus has accomplished all of those things for us we have all of those things in christ so there's no more there's no more offering for sin he has accomplished that in verse 19 it says having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of jesus so here we see the blood of jesus not the jesus christ but of jesus and i think the writer purposely wrote that because these people knew him as jesus they knew him uh, as the man born of a virgin that grew up with them they knew him as jesus and so the connection needs to be made by these hebrew people that this same jesus is the one that has delivered them that he is the very son of god Um, so it's mentioned here that Uh, brethren it says having therefore brethren so that's something that we have to understand this is something that those who are in christ have not everybody but those who are brethren Uh, we have this boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of jesus christ so in the tabernacle there was the holy place which only the priests could enter And then there was the Holy of Holies behind the veil, the Holy of Holies, where there was the um, Ark of the Covenant and uh, only the high priest that was chosen once a year could enter in beyond that veil. And that person did not enter with boldness. They entered with fear and trembling because they didn't know if they were going to come out alive. Um, But we don't have to approach the Lord Jesus with fear and trembling. We can approach him with boldness, and we can enter into his very presence, not once a year by representation, but we can enter ourselves through prayer, through a daily walk. We can walk with him. We can sleep with him. We can wake up with the Lord Jesus every day. This is the blessing that we have as Christians. This is the access that we've been given. And we can boldly enter before God. Which, if you look at the Old Testament, nobody ever entered or uh, approached God boldly. I mean, it is an act of boldness to even mention his name, yes. But everybody approached him with fear and trembling. There was a humility, a recognition of their own weakness and powerlessness and unworthiness to be in his presence. Um, but we don't have that. That's been taken away. The Lord Jesus has given us free access to him. And it's through his love. And we know him in a way that none of those Old Testament saints have the pleasure or opportunity to know him. And we should rejoice in this. This should be what drives us in our lives to serve him is knowing that we have this boldness to enter into this holiest of places through his blood. And it's that same access that will give us access to heaven and access to him personally uh, for eternity. So we might as well start enjoying that now. In verse 20, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. So here we see in verse 20 that we have this uh, access, this bold access to the holiest uh, place by the blood of Jesus. We've been given that by a new and living way. Well, that's in contrast to the Old Testament, the old way. The the way that was old and did not um, lead to life. Now, that's not to say that the Old Testament saints were not saved. They were. But they went to a place called paradise. Uh, until the Lord Jesus' sacrifice, they went to Abraham's bosom. It wasn't until after his sacrifice that they gained access to heaven and the the very holiest place of all, uh, his presence. So this is something that is new. This is something that came with his uh, earthly ministry. This is something that he's accomplished on our behalf. And it's a new and a living way, which he has consecrated for us. He has made this way holy. He has cleansed us through his blood and taken away the sin that separated us from God and made this way for us to go through the veil. Now there's a reference made to that veil, that holiest of holies that only one person can go in once a year and the high priest that was chosen. Well, now that veil is gone, um, it says in the gospels that once he gave up the ghost that, that veil that was in the temple, that was the veil between the holy and the holy of holies was rent from the bottom upward, that it was torn because now we have access. We have access through him. And it says through the veil, that is to say his flesh. So here we see a contrast being made between the body of the Lord Jesus that he offered on our behalf those of us who were saved and the actual tabernacle. And there's so many contrasts that you can make between the tabernacle, the furnishings, the way it was set up and the Lord Jesus and his uh, first coming. And here we see that being alluded to in verse 21 and having a high priest over the house of God. That's what we have now. We have a high priest that represents us forever not just once a year, but for all times. He is there to represent us, to be our connection to the Father. And it's a wonderful thing that we have. Jesus has in his body become what the tabernacle was, only in a type. Jesus is the representative of God and the meeting place of God. He is the mercy seat, and in him is the light and presence of God. That was the purpose of the tabernacle. It was placed in the camp so that Moses and the people would have a representation of God's presence so that they would be comforted and, have, and know that while they're going through the wilderness, God was with them. And if they had a question, if they had any concerns, they could go to God. He was there with them in the tabernacle. And now we have that in the Lord Jesus forever. We have that access that we can go to Him with anything, no matter what it is. Whatever it is that's bothering you, whatever it is that is troubling you, He is there for you to listen and to give you instruction. Take advantage of that. You are not alone. When we, those of us who are in Christ, we have the Lord Jesus. If it's just us and Jesus and no one else, we have the majority. We have to come to a place of understanding and to embrace that. It is so important for us in our growth, our understanding of who the Lord Jesus is and what he's done for us. We have to embrace those things and we have to walk in that truth and grow in that truth. And you'll see that when, when we start doing that, He's going to open up our eyes and our hearts to see things that we never even imagined before. And he wants us to have these things. He wants to give us these things. We just need to go and claim it. It's ours. He's given it to us. The world, the flesh, and the devil try to keep us from it. But they can't because he has that for us. So we should take that and and embrace that. Just as the ark was behind the the sec the veil, you know, in the holiest of holies, so too was the body of Christ a veil of all the deity of God. So when He came, His deity was veiled in flesh. That's the picture that's being presented: that all the holiness, the goodness, the mercy, the kindness, the power, the wrath, all of that of God was veiled in flesh, and He manifested all those things if you study the gospels you'll see he manifested all the characteristics of god in everything that he did and ultimately became the the sacrifice uh, that we needed so that we would have access to god so that he would forever be our high priest and that's the ministry that he currently has and then he'll have for eternity that's going to be his his uh, ministry. Now Jesus is the only access we have to God. You he said, "No one comes unto the Father except by me." For those who are in Christ, he is our high priest, and he forever holds that ministry on our behalf. This is what we have now. No longer do we come to a mountain of flames like in the Old Testament. No longer must we approach in fear Jesus has removed all that kept us from a personal and intimate relationship with God. He has made the way for us. So what is it that's keeping us from this closeness? You know, what sin in our lives is stealing the joy of being close to the Lord Jesus and his love? Those are the questions we have to ask ourselves because sin is a deceiver. You know, it promises temporary pleasure, but robs us of the permanence of the peace of Christ. And nothing is more valuable than the Lord Jesus and having his ministry, the uh, ministry of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives. Nothing. We, we can't let anything keep us from that. So in verse 22, we get the exhortation from from the writer to the Hebrews, he says, let us draw near with a true heart. So what does that mean to draw near with a true heart? Well, that's an invitation that the Lord Jesus has given us. He's saying, come to me. He wants us to be close to him. It's very important that we draw near to him. That's the invitation that we have constantly. He wants to be close to us. Why would we not want to be close to him? But he says to draw near with a true heart. This over and over again in scripture, we see that God is concerned with the heart. He's not concerned with the outward display of whatever. He's concerned with the inward parts of man, that our soul, our hearts, that's, That's where we have fellowship. God, the Holy Spirit indwells us and he wants us to approach him in truth and to uh, confess whatever it is that needs to be confessed. Um, He understands and he's going to hear with an ear of love and he is going to guide us in the way that we need to be guided through whatever it is that we're facing. He's faithful to do that. It's important that we confess the sin that separates us from Him, that we need to be cleansed. Um, He cares for us and for our hearts, and He desires truth in the inward parts. Very important that we draw near with a true heart and it says in full assurance of faith well what does that mean the full assurance of faith well faith is the evidence of things unseen and we're about to get into uh, Hebrews chapter 11 which a lot of people call the roll call of the faithful and we're going to learn a lot about what faith has accomplished but each of us If we are believers, we have a measure of faith. That is what we were given upon salvation, the faith to believe, to believe in what we don't see, but to have confidence in knowing that um, the Word of God is true and that we could live our lives in a way that um, manifests the truth and the faith that we have. And with faith comes assurance. And we need to embrace that. We need to embrace the full assurance of faith. We have to walk in that faith. And what is faith? Believing God. It's that simple. Just believe him. Trust him. And it says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. So here we see the real enemy. Enemy is that the enemy to our hearts is an evil conscience. Sin is what is our enemy, and we need our hearts sprinkled. Just like they, uh, the sacrifices, they would sprinkle the blood on the altar, and it would represent the penalty of that sin being dealt with, and that person could then move on and enjoy a relationship with God. And now we have that in our inward parts, that the Lord Jesus' blood has done that for our hearts and taken away our um, conscious of evil, our conscience of evil. That's just a sin in our lives. And once we confess it to him and ask him to cleanse us of it, we can move forward in faith and know that he's going to do that. And we can enjoy that relationship with him, that closeness, and it says, and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, that's, that's the, the, the word of God. That's what washes. That's what cleanses us through the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important for us to stay in the word. Not just when someone's teaching like myself, but have your own time in the word, your own study, so that you can enjoy the ministry and the things that God has for you. Particularly. And in verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. So, this is the key verse to me is that once sin has been dealt with in our lives, once we are walking closely with him, then we can hold fast to our faith. It's something we can hold fast to and we can continue to walk in. And it's a protection to us. It's a shield. The, um, the whole armor of God we have to wear daily. And what is the shield? It's the shield of faith. It protects us. And it protects us from the lies of sin. It protects us from the, the lies of our enemies that seek to deceive us and to take us away from that closeness to the Lord Jesus because the closer we are to him, the more powerful and strong we are. And the more powerful and strong we are, the greater the ministry and the glory to his name. And that's what we're living for. That's why we're here. So now we have these things in this new covenant that he has secured for us in his body. And I pray that um, you would be drawing near to the Lord Jesus in full assurance of faith that he is able and that he will do only good for you. It may not taste good. It may not feel good. It may not even smell good, but I promise you that if it's from the Lord Jesus, it's good. And ultimately there's going to be a day when we will all stand in Christ together. And all the things that we've done in this life, will uh, testify to his goodness, to his greatness, and his glory. And we're going to stand and we're going to rejoice together in that. And we're going to rejoice in that for eternity. Um, I pray that the Lord makes you to look forward to that. He places in your heart a desire to see him, uh, that you would rejoice in his coming. And I pray, Father, that for uh, all of us that are yours, that we would draw near to your son, the Lord Jesus, and enjoy his ministry forever. Uh, Let's uh, close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your grace and for your word. Thank you for the new covenant that you have given us and you've secured in your son thank you for the high priestly ministry of the lord jesus father i pray you would strengthen us and lead us and guide us through your word and cause us to glorify you it's in jesus name we pray amen